Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to those of you watching online. How's everybody doing this morning? All right, early service. I'm going to try to get you a little awake this morning because it helps me to preach the word. So, um... Hope everybody is engaged, ready to hear the Word of God. Second service, if you want to stay uh, a little bit longer during this time, the announcements, we will be praying over our graduating seniors. Um, most of them will be showing up at that second service. And, uh, but I'm going to pray for anybody that somehow missed that or in here, or parents, grandparents, anybody obviously who has uh, children, grandchildren, uh, friends, right, entering into that, that big transition into college or just out of high school into the next uh, season. If you've been with us, you know we've been in a series um, called Gathered Together. We're going through the book of Acts, and we're just stepping in the main pieces in the book of Acts where we see what the church is all about, the gathered church. And just using this time through this past special year, everything going on, all the kind of fragmented, you know, uh, isolation going on, this really trying to take some time to get arms around this idea of what does it mean to be the church, the ecclesia, the gathered body of Christ. And uh, what does that, what does that mean? And uh, this morning, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 4, and the, the name that is above all names, that there is no other name um, but Jesus. And when we gather, folks, that is um, what we gather around. And I think, too, in the Western world, and especially in America, boy, we have put, so easy to put other things on a pedestal other than him, other than Jesus. Um, it, it, it just ourself, what we need. Um, and, and unfortunately, a lot of church has actually kind of subtly, but gone that way, put other things, put even ourself, our self needs on the throne as such, as a focus, rather than the name of Jesus and that we gather around him. Um, there are other movements and quote churches out there that say church is to be a place for the unbeliever. There's nowhere in scripture. That's not church. That's an evangelistic event. Church, as we see, strictly is the gathering of those who've given their hearts to Jesus with doors and arms open to anybody who will come and to listen. But church primarily Right, is the gathered body of believers to encourage each other to worship Jesus, to put him at the center, right, to bring encouragement that we might go out right, and bring that light right, to the world as such. And we need encouragement to become the church, a holy uh, a body of believers who encourage and strengthen, help each other grow. And uh, obviously the doors are always open for anyone to come, as we see in the scripture, and to who's hungry, who's a seeker after God, who wants truth, right, in this world. And um, so this is what we've been looking at. As I said, we're in Acts chapter 4. And so let me just pray. I want to pray just for our seniors, um, for those of you that will miss that, um, and also just for us this morning as we dive in. Father, thank you, Lord, for this amazing day, this amazing place, Lord, we get to live or spend time in. Lord, we're here because of you, Jesus. We're here because of you, the name that is above all names. Salvation comes through no other name but the name of Jesus. And Lord, we lift up your name. We want to glorify you. We want to set our eyes, our hearts on you. We want to please you more than anything else, Father. This is about you, Jesus. It's all about you. 
Father, I want to lift up our graduating seniors. I want to lift up all those, Lord, in this community who are moving on out of high school. Father, my prayer, my deepest prayer, Lord, is I know what is dearest to your heart, Lord, that they may know you. They may know you. There's nothing more important. There's no greater objective than that. Father, they may know you, your love, your forgiveness, Lord, your favor over their life. That you have a plan. And Lord, you're beckoning them to come and walk in that, Father. May they find that road. And as they leave, Lord, more than anything, may they find a, a wonderful family of God, a wonderful church to walk in, to be embraced, Father, and to grow up in your ways. Lord, open our eyes now. Give us... Father, hearts for you, Lord, uh, speak to us now. Lord, your Holy Spirit, come and fill this place as we exalt you, Jesus, as we open our eyes, our ears to hear you speak to us. Come, fill this place, rock us, shake the rafters as we're going to read here, Lord. Uh, be with us, convict us, move us to repentance, God. Move us towards your glory and your goodness. Forgive us, Father. Show us how to be your church. Your people gather together, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, it's okay to say amen, by the way. Let's try it. Everybody? Amen. Nah, that's nice. That's good, actually. And as I always say, feel free to just, just speak up during the message, right? If there's something that hits you... I, uh, I love that. So this is, this is not just me preaching. This is me bringing the word, right? But us involved together in the word, expecting God to right, speak to us and move us and change us right here this morning. All right, so we're in Acts chapter 4, and uh, this morning I just want us to drill in. I have three points. Imagine that. And I uh, don't always have three, but this morning we do. And uh, we could have a whole bunch more points, but, uh, but one primarily point, right? And that is Jesus is the name above all names. And we need to continually encourage and refresh each other on that point above all points. Because much of church even, right, is, gets distracted with a thousand other things that subtly put us at the center of what's going on. And we all know, right, out there, as soon as we leave those doors, right, is there is no other name that changes an atmosphere. You can bring up Hitler in an academic situation, a political situation, the public square, and you can engage into a conversation. You bring up the name Jesus. It's the only name, especially in this community. You bring up the name Jesus in the school. You bring up the name of Jesus in a political discussion at the, you know, all the different things going in this community. I promise you, you're going to change the atmosphere. And folks, that is and should be shouting loud to you because it's the name above all names and it demands a response. And how I respond to that name determines my eternity. And we need to get that right. We need to have that restored right today. Um, among God's people, as we're going to see here in, uh, in the church. And folks, we're going back to the book of Acts because this is back to the basics. This is back to things we need to make sure we're doing at all costs um, and, and to be the church. Um, and so this morning, let me just dive in. 
Chapter 4 of the book of Acts, a little background. Obviously, we've had Pentecost chapter 2. The Holy Spirit's, boom, it's hit on the day of Pentecost. The city of Jerusalem went into huge revival. Thousands coming to Jesus, right? As Peter stands up and the rest of the church started with 120. Now it's a mega church. It's some people think even as many as 15, 20,000 people gathered in Solomon's portico, which is out there in the temple. And folks, remember, the temple was the most glorious structure. It was 35 acres, a million and a half square feet. It was massive. And so it was the place where teachers gathered. And so it was plenty of room out there to have a mega church gathering, right? But it says they met day by day in the temple and they broke out into each other's homes. And it was in each other's homes where they had microchurch. So they broke bread and they encouraged each other, right? And they had the fellowship, right? And they poured into the preaching of the, of the word of God. And uh, they were being the church. And then what happened is it said on the, uh, a certain day that Peter and John, they left the third hour, which is, remember, they would go up, faithful Jews would leave whatever they're doing and go up to the temple to pray at different times of the day. It was the third hour. This is one of the prayers, times of prayers. And they were going through uh, the gate, one of the gates in Jerusalem, and there was a beggar there. And do you know the story? He asked for change and, and he got the gaze of Peter and John and silver and gold we don't have. But what we have, we give to you, stand up and walk. And folks, that is what I call a breakthrough miracle. It's a breakthrough miracle because that miracle, right, is, is we read on in the story, he was four, over 40 years old. He was known, a known beggar. For everybody in the city, he was known, and he was known to be lame from birth. And now he's walking around. It's a breakthrough miracle because it is what's put into place all the rest of this ministry, all the rest of the hubbub going on here that we're going to read about um, in chapter 4 and on, actually, in the sense it got, and we're going to see this affects how the church prayed and what they prayed for. And so, folks, just a little side note, I'm praying for a breakthrough miracle in this place. And you see it all through the scripture, the woman at the well, what happened in that miracle of her, just a word of prophecy and, and God, Jesus speaking into her heart, what happened? She went back to Sychar and the entire city came out. It was a breakthrough miracle. What happened with the demoniac? He was oppressed. He was sent outside of town into an asylum, chained in the tomb because nobody could do anything with him. And he was radically delivered. He went back in the Decapolis and guess what happened? Revival took about in an entire region. Because of one miracle, one testimony of one person experiencing the love and the power of Jesus in their life. Folks, we need a breakthrough miracle. And so I'd ask you to join me in just praying, right, for that. And so the story goes is that after the people were freaking out and they, and, 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 and they started to uphold, right, and give credit to Peter and John. And so Peter had to stand up and preach one of his first messages. Remember, folks, Peter was an illiterate, untrained, fisherman, blue-collar guy, nobody. In the eyes of the Pharisees. And how is it, as we are going to read here, that he's standing up in front of thousands? And don't miss it. It always says it. Under the power, the filling of the Holy Spirit. That is the factor that changes everything. And he preached boldly in front of the thousands. And again, go back and read uh, you know, chapter 3. It's a bold, bold in front of, of the very people who crucified Jesus and laying that upon them, right? Of upholding the name, the name above all names. And that brings us into chapter four. 
Because obviously the rulers, the Sadducees were the rulers of the Sanhedrin. These were more political and religious at this point. Uh, the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. The Sadducees did not believe in an afterlife. They would be, in modern terminology, and many which live in this community, a secular Jewish. They're concerned about power. They're concerned about this world. They do not see an afterlife. They do not see the need for a Messiah. They do not believe in a resurrection um, from the dead. These were the Sadducees. The reason, for the most part, we've only seen the Pharisees really engage with Jesus because the Pharisees, their division from the Sadducees, they believed in the resurrection of the dead. And they were more the scribes. These were the ones that were deep into the Torah. But now the, the uh, Sadducees are involved because things are becoming political. See, for them, they were given power by Rome. right? They were in bed with Rome to keep peace in Jerusalem. And now there was this stir going on in Jerusalem. So they were involved. Who is this guy, Jesus? Right? And, uh, and, and what is he doing? Proclaiming the resurrection from the dead. And this is where we enter into the story in chapter 4. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed that they were teaching the people and proclaiming Jesus, the resurrection from the dead, and they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men alone came to about 5,000. We're talking about a massive revival, folks. Just get your arm around that number of people. Remember, that's just the men. All gathered in this, in this. Can you imagine what's, so the Romans, you've got the Gentiles, you've got all these people now. They've got everybody's attention and they're, right? So the force of the world, the force of power of the world, right, is rallying. The darkness is rallying around um, the church, Right? So this, this is beautiful. Verse 5. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, all who were of the high priestly family, Sadducees. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power and by what name did you do this? And then Peter, filled, don't miss it, with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, um, which has become the cornerstone, the new thing. Old covenant's gone. The new covenant is the house of God. Jesus is at the cornerstone. And there is salvation. Verse 12 should be on memory of all of us. And there is salvation in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Amen. Let me say it again. And so if there's any doubt among there, if there's any waffling, if you've had any influence, any discussion with others, especially those who claim to be Christians that say, hey, there's, oh, you know, hey, there's other ways to God. There's, there's other possibilities, right, to get to heaven, to get to God. This verse alone eliminates that. This is Jesus' words. This is the historical record. There's salvation by no one else. No other religion, no other philosophy, no other name. There's only one name. 
That's the name above all names. That is why when you bring his name up in the context of this culture, you are going to enter into an immediate spiritual battle. He's the name above all names. And folks, when we talk about what church is, um, it is the gathered people around that name. It's the gathering of the kindred spirit because we have met him, we know him as the one and the only the name, Jesus, the Savior of the world, the one and only. There is only one way, as he said, right, later in John. Right? I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And so I just want to pound this home, folks. Because we live in a progressive uh, culture that uh, we right now, for me, the greatest danger is not anything politically or anything else. The greatest danger right now is what's happening inside the church in America. The greatest danger that's happening in America is the progressive Christian movement that is adopting the things of the world, accommodating them into the church. And this issue alone, folks... um, it all begins here. So I just want to be as bold as I can to those of you watching online and those of you here. If you believe that there's more than one path, you're not a follower of Jesus. Amen. I want to lay that out as clear as I can, as boldly as I can. There is no other name. To believe that he is one of many paths is to not to know him for who he is and who he said he is. And until the church makes that very clear, until we, as we're going to see, our role is to make that clear, to stand on that. And you can't, well, again, we we can't make it clear to anybody, but that's our rock. That's our stance, right? In this this world is there's no other name under heaven. His his name is glorious. Now, just a couple of things here is, uh, folks, if, if we don't cherish his name, You see, you can grow up and believe doctrine. I can believe that. And there's two major problems going on in the church today. One is that people believe that and they kind of use it as a billy club. He's the only name. And there's no sense of cherish. You can still believe that intellectually, but not cherish Jesus. You can still believe it intellectually, but not have affection for Jesus. Not really know him. Folks, the demons know who he is. The demons over and over again proclaim who he, they know clearly who he is. And that was manifested all through the scripture. You can know who he is. You can claim that truth. But if you don't cherish him. Now, now here's, here's the problem. Because as we move forward in here, how we're supposed to be proclaimers of the name. If I don't cherish him, guess what? It's not going to go well. And unfortunately, that's what's happened a lot of times. We've tried to proclaim his name out in the public square when we don't really cherish him. And if I don't cherish him, guess what? I end up uh, abusing people. I end up really being more judgmental, right? Uh, I I don't share the love. I don't have an anguish for people's souls like Jesus did. There's a huge difference between those two. But there's another problem. And the other problem is to think that this subtle thing that's happening in the church that we somehow can love people and love without cherishing Jesus, without proclaiming his name. And as we're going to see here, that's not the commission. The commission is first and foremost to proclaim his name. Then as a result of that, we love people along the way. But the other huge thing that's crept in is this idea, just love people. Just go out and do your, your justice out there today is that's not the love of God. The love of God is cherishing him, having affection for him, 
understanding deeply within our heart who he is and proclaiming his name. And this is what we're going to see, to know clearly, as Jesus says, right, the commission here back to Acts chapter 1 is that we're to be his witnesses. He says, you're going to be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Wherever you're at, you're going to be my witness. What does that mean, to be his witness? It means we're going to be proclaimers of, what, of his name and what he's done for me. And oh, I want you to know the one I know, right? To proclaim his name and to be willing to step into all kinds of arena, wherever God puts us, and to be able to make a stand with his name, no matter what comes our way, as he says, the Beatitudes, bless her to you when you're reviled for my name. Now, folks, where, where is that today? Where in the church today is there this sense of being willing to we cherish him so much, man. And as, as we're going to see here, they rejoice that they were counted, right, um, worthy of being persecuted for his name. Um, we count victory when the world claps and says, you're doing a good job, you're serving, you're feeding, you're, you're doing all these things. You'll find that nowhere in the scriptures. We're going to see here in just a minute, right? And so before I move on in the text, I... I, I Really, just pray about this this week, and um, I don't know how far to go with this, so let's just see what happens. Um, folks, I, I, I'm not going to name specific things, I think, this morning, but there's some things that believers do, that we've adopted, that we think are okay. But I just ask you to be sensitive and prayerful about the, the places you put yourself, the things you adopt. Because what I know is there's certain, a lot of things in our community, especially that we put ourselves in too, that over time, the, that atmosphere has so powered by the idea that there's multiple ways. We're all saying the same thing. Jesus is just one way among many. And folks, when that gets on you, let me tell you what happens. Our, our faith disappears. We, we get watered down. And today in the church, I think there's many who attend who think they're believers, maybe for decades. But if there's even the littlest, slightest little thing inside my heart that says, yeah, I think there's other ways. I want to be bold and say to you this morning, you don't know Jesus. You haven't met him for who he is. There's no exception to this in scripture is to meet him, to be saved is to see him as the one and only. Your savior, but the world's savior. The only one, the only path, the only way to God. And it's time today in the church that we call one another. We start with the house of God that we call one another back to repentance. And as you'll see when the gospels preach, no one comes to Jesus without repentance. That's a turning away from my old self, my old worldview, my, old, my sin, and it's a turning to God. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. You're my Lord and Savior. Come now. Bring your new life. Help me walk in this new life now. Right? And so I, I want to just stop now and... I want to offer to those online and anybody here, I want to just lead you in a prayer. If you're struggling with that issue, if you think you can follow Jesus and believe there's other ways, it's not, it, it, and maybe nobody's been so bold to tell you, that's not an option. And to entertain that means there needs to be repentance, a laying that down as an affront to the king of kings. Do you realize what you're saying to Jesus when you say, oh, maybe there's some other, maybe the Muslims, hey, maybe these folk, maybe, you know, maybe the Buddhists, and all, maybe, 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 
That's an affront to the king of kings. And there is no fellowship with the king of kings if we don't see him as the one and only. Does that, does that make sense, gang? So let me just pray. If you're watching, if you're here, and, and if that's you, if you've struggled with that, I want to give you an opportunity to pray with me to lay it down, just to repent and to receive Jesus for who he really is. So Father, we come to you now, and Lord, um, help us, Father. Forgive us. Lord, we haven't cherished you, Jesus, for who you are, who you clearly say you are. And Father, right now, I pray for every person here who's wrestled with this issue. And Lord, I pray that you will just break in your glory, your, your, your beauty, your majesty. You're the King of kings, Lord of lords. There is no other name under heaven whereby someone can be saved. Lord, we repent from ever entertaining any other king, any other path, any other Lord. We lay that down. We break that off in the name of Jesus. We receive you by grace as our Lord, our Savior, to follow you. Holy Spirit, come now and fill up the void. Bring the confidence of what we have in you, Jesus, and in you alone, God. Give us the power to make a stand, Lord, with the force of the world that is attacking that issue, God. Help us cherish you, Jesus, to make a stand and to hold tight to you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Folks, if you prayed that, or if you're still struggling with that issue, please, let us, let us journey with you. If you've got questions about that, if you, if you wrestle with that, please, we would love to journey with you and talk to you about that. So let's move on here in, in uh, chapter four, starting verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, don't miss how many times it defines the church as bold in the midst of really tough situations. They perceived that they were uneducated, common men, and they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. How beautiful is that? The question for us is, have we been with Jesus? The other question for us is, do people recognize in us Jesus? Do the people that we rub shoulders with, do they even know that he's the most cherished thing in our life? Hmm. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, what shall we do to these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in that name. And so they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. 
And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no one, uh, no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. In other words, he was well known. When they were released, listen to this, they went to their friends. So it defines the church, and folks, this is a whole nother sermon. But they went to the church, and the church body should be friends. It shouldn't be this place where we pop in and pop out and attend like an event. It should be the place of our greatest friendship. And that's how we should de- define our, 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 our interaction with each other, friendship, right? So much more to say on that, but... We'll leave it there for now. To their friends, and they reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted. So here the church, in response to um, the, the, the exchange that John and Peter had with the, the, sad, the Sanhedrin, um, the whole church, they started lifting their voices together to God. Now, folks, I want to bring you into this situation. This is, we don't know if it's the upper room. We don't know where they gathered, but it was a large home gathering somewhere, right? The Kind of the inner circle. Probably was a lot of the uh, upper room gang, right? Now, obviously, it wasn't all the thousands out there. And, um, and folks, they, they started praying. Now, in the Bible, when people worship, they didn't do this Western thing of mm, just kind of kneel and be quiet. That was unheard of. Prayer was always out loud. Even in personal devotion, prayer was always out loud. I commend it to you. It will change the course of your prayer if you learn to pray out loud. And when the church gathered together, it wasn't just this quiet, let's be quiet. There's a time to be silent. No question. Don't get me wrong. But when there is prayer, it is everybody praying out loud. And then what's happened here is this is a prophetic movement in the sense of somehow all these people praying, giving God's praise, is it crescendo to this kind of one unique message that Luke um, had uh, given to him here, which says that they prayed, Sovereign Lord, who made, listen to this, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in it, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage? Now he's going back quoting the Old Testament here. This is what Jesus taught them. Right? Why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? Why did the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed? For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel. Basically, that is everybody, okay? Um, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. God, we praise you for this. This, is, this doesn't surprise you, God. Nothing surprises you. You're sovereign. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. We give you praise that we see now this, this war going on, right, between the world and the kingdom of, of heaven, right, this clash. And they're giving praise. Look how they respond to this. Um, <sighs> And, and I've, I've spent some this week repenting myself. Folks, they didn't get distracted with legislation. Do you see anything in here about the amount of time talking about how we're going to change the city or change Rome or anything else? Is there any of that that has them? Now, hey, there's plenty of that discussion, I'm sure, going on the sidebar. Don't get me wrong. But what's the focus? And so... 
Verse 29, and now, so here, this is the, after praying, everybody's praying out loud, worshiping God, giving him praise. The spirit moved and there was this, this unified, could have been one voice, could have been all, who knows? They lifted up this, what we just read, this one, they, they it came to this centered focus, right, of what God was doing. And then there, it brought them, as their prayer, brought them to a central unified prayer, as it says in verse 29, and now, Lord, look upon their threats, Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you, Lord, stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together, there's our our, uh, sermon title, was shaken and they were all, not some, not Peter and John alone, not just the 12, they all were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued, not just Peter and John, everyone, continued to speak the word of God, what? With boldness. With boldness because of who he is. What else should I be shouting about? What else should I want to talk about? Then his name. Then his name. And so folks, where this brings us is is right here. I, 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 I... Something we have to, and I don't know how better to word it. We need to learn to engage the world, not accommodate the world. The world is passing away. First John says, if right, is the love of the world is, or James says, the love of the world, what, is enmity with God. It's hatred for God. You can't love the world and love God. All right, it says that desires of the eyes, desires of the flesh, the pride of life, these things will keep you from fellowship with God. You cannot love the world. The world is passing away. And so to just, as, as we're praying for our graduating seniors, I'll do more of this next service, but if I had anything to preach to graduates anywhere in this nation, these would be my three points. Four of them, the first is cherish Jesus above all else. Don't let anybody in that place on your throne. Cherish him. He has, and he's the only one who has a plan and course and will for your life. Secondly, make sure with all your dreams to go change the world, remember, you're not going to really change it. You need to change hearts. That's the mission. Now, be careful. I don't mean to go and don't do great things. But the world is passing away, no matter how great your invention is, no matter how great your efforts are in this world. And we should do them. But the priority needs to be on the lasting things, the mission, which is to proclaim his name in all those avenues that he might be lifted up and that people's hearts would be drawn to him. And watch out for accommodating the world. How much we in the West have accommodated the world and we just each have to ask that, boy, how much have I allowed the world into my, in, 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 that I'm consumed with rather than him? We are to engage the world. We don't run. We don't hide. We don't say, oh, that's for somebody else uh, to speak boldly about the name of Jesus. To follow Jesus is to learn to speak boldly about him. And that's not happening in the American church. I'm going to say it again. It's not happening in the American church. And so we have to answer, what's this? if it's not happening in the American church, what's the problem? Well, there's a lack of cherishing Jesus, because if I really cherished him, I would want to boldly speak about him. It just comes out. So if I feel like, oh, I feel insecure about that, is, is, I, I might want to do it, but I just feel, which we all do, myself included, uh, there's, what, there's just only one solution to this problem. And it's the next thing we're going to see. We're missing the filling of the Spirit of God. 
The boldness to do this comes not by my ability, not because, oh, this is what we need to do, and I try to force myself to go do it. Remember, Jesus told him, don't go do anything until what? Until the Spirit of God rests upon you. So if I'm struggling with, if I haven't led anybody to Jesus, and I'm struggling with talking to people about Jesus, there's one problem, and it's I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean the Spirit's not in there, I'm saved. It just means I'm not empowered with a confidence and an overflowing streams of living water confidence that just longs to, for opportunity. God, I'm available today. Just let me speak of your name. And, and if someone criticizes me, hallelujah, I'm blessed, Lord, revived for your name. But let me do it out of love. Let's just overflow your love and your affection for them my, and my anguish for them over to them. And if I'm lacking, then it means the church should be gathering together regularly. What do we see the church doing when they're gathered together? They're praying for the filling of the Spirit of God. In the whole book of Acts, every time they're together, they're filled, they're filled. The only way we're going to advance is if we come together and, Lord, fill us up. Fill me up. Take my weakness. Take my, my lack of confidence. Take my, all of this, Lord. You've got to bring the bowl. Until the church is desperate like that and understands this equation, we will never advance like we are. We'll continue to do what we're doing, which we're accommodating the world in the church. And folks, this accommodation... It, it, it circles around too just our lack of understanding holiness our lack of understanding of what God calls us to we're going to get to that next week in the, this next chapter 5 section is like whoa what do we do with this um, how many of y'all have watched The Chosen at all watching this I, I, I cannot commend this thing enough to you dang um, the newest one uh, episode 4 of season 2 I mean we watched it last night oh <laughs> It's about the healing of the, at the Pool of Bethesda where Jesus healed the person there that was there for, what, 35-some years. And, uh, and it just did such an amazing job of presenting how Jesus loved this person and healed them. And just in the middle of it, you know, he did it on the Sabbath with the Sadducees right there. The guys were reading about, watching in. Well, you can't do that on the Sabbath. He's breaking apart all the barriers and religion and junk that we put in, in the place. And the season in, and it ends with this incredible view of Jesus walking. And disciples falling behind him. They're walking out of Jerusalem. And, uh, <laughs> and, they, and the disciples are asking him questions and, and say, well, why did you do that in front of, the, in front of the, the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees like that? And you see this wonderful expression of Jesus says, sometimes you got to stir up trouble. Oh, sometimes you got to stir the water? Stir the water. Same thing. And he did it on the Sabbath. Folks, I'm going to say it again. Sometimes, not just sometimes, we got to stir the water. And what did they say about the missionary team that went into Thessalonica? These are the men who what? Turned the world upside down. They've come to our city. Folks, do not miss this. The world is passing away. And I say this loudly to all of our young people headed to college who are embracing every kind of social justice cause there is. Go for it. Serve. Yes. Wonderful. But do not miss the mission. It's to proclaim his name. And so if you're going to go after this cause or that cause, make sure at the tip of the spear you're there boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus. And you're willing to take the hits for it. We have not led people to Jesus this way. This is not the Christianity that America has adopted, right? This is not the kind of thing we've said, whoa, if I follow him, I have to proclaim his name? Yes, no option to that. If you don't claim his name, it's very doubtful you know him. 
I mean, we see it all right through here. Sometimes we got to stir the water. And that means that's exactly what, and there's always a reaction here, folks, right? The world will always, and so a church is not a healthy church that the surrounding community is, oh, your church is so wonderful. Look at all the service you do. Look at all the wonderful things you do. You'll find that nowhere in here. A church is healthy when it's stirring the waters. And there's a battle going on, right? And there is a persecution going on. That is when we know health is going on. Now, don't get me wrong. I, yeah, we, we can do some stupid stuff to get some bad, bad uh, press. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about calling on it, staying on his name, right? Got to stir the water. It caused some trouble in a holy sense, right? And so, folks, take that into your world, into your family gatherings, into your time with friends that have known you for years, but they don't know your love for Jesus. Yes, the friendship might be on the line, but who do you love? Who are you going to obey? Who are you going to trust ultimately? Right? This is the way of the kingdom, right? Leads us to the last thing. Be filled with the Spirit for bold proclamation with Jesus. I could go passage after passage. We will never accomplish the mission until something is restored in the church. Lord, fill me with your spirit. For too long, we as Americans have done, we've understood just uh, by my natural gifting, I can accomplish this. It, 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 things don't really start to move until we get to a broken place. Said, Lord, I, I'm just going to confess. I, I'm struggling. I don't want to share your name. I'm scared to share your name. I, 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 I'm not confident with that, God. Um, that's, that's the kind of thing we need to confess. And I think, I'm just going to speak for myself, I think all of us can probably agree with that, right? So what do we do? One response, Lord, all together, fill us, God. You, you give us the confidence because if I try to do this in my flesh, if I try to just go out those doors right, you know, after this message, you just talk to me about Jesus. That's all flesh. That's flesh. It's not going to go real well. Because either I'm not going to love them appropriately or I'm going to do it legalistically. It's just not, it's going to be a mess. I need the Lord. Fill me. Fill your church. Right? Fill your church. To cherish your name, the name right, that is above all names. So, Derek, y'all come on up if you would. And um, so we're going to practice what we preach. Right? Is, um, let's just take some time. And uh, folks, I, I know, boy, I, I, as much as, I don't know if you've been in a, a worship environment where everybody is praying out loud. For many, they feel very uncomfortable with that. Um, many are critical of that. Well, I hate to tell you, but that's the biblical way. It's just Westerners that have this stoic idea that just, oh, I'm going to stay in my little zone here. Let nothing wacky happen here. You'll, uh, uh, it, that, that's not church, Okay. And uh, here's my order. Uh, make sure we're in line with the order. That's not church. You'll find it nowhere in here. Um, is we gather, and when the Spirit moves, He moves, and we respond. Um, but we have to start here at this place, gang, that we first just have to understand where our heart is and what His heart is. His heart is to pour it out, to give you, to give me confidence, but confidence that's rooted in, in love for God. And so what I want us to do is just... Um, as the team just leads us here, is before we come to the table, just take some time. Let this settle. Respond to this. Let the Spirit speak to you. Um, 
And again, as always, we've got the mics up here. And if you have a word that's for the church to bring encouragement to the church that's in line with what we've talked about here, bring it to us this morning, right? But let's learn, right, to pray together and to, uh, we need his spirit, don't we? And folks, don't just, just pray for, for ourselves, pray for the church. And don't just pray for our church, pray for the church. Let's just start with America. We need a filling of spirit more than ever. A restoration to what life in the spirit rather than our natural Western abilities is all about. So that we can be proclaimers, that we can truly, it's a natural overflow, not a forced thing. It's natural, right? So Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus and we lift up your glorious name. Jesus, Father, I pray right now that your spirit would move in this place. Lord, I just pray, Lord, I don't... Awaken my, awaken your affection, God, inside my heart, Lord. What you've done, Lord, the, the sacrifice, what you've done for us. What's your love, God? Awaken our love for you, Lord, our affection for you. The name, oh, the name, how beautiful is your name, Jesus. We love you. We exalt you in this place. Restore. Restore that to your church today, God. You're the cornerstone, Jesus. It's all about you here. It's all about you. Father, we have a lot of work that needs to be done. The beauty is, Lord, we can't do it. But you can. Lord, Send forth your spirit now. Fill us. Fill us, Lord. That may, we may be in agreement with our brothers and sisters 2,000 years ago, Lord, to continue to boldly proclaim your name out of love, out of incredible love, your love. Restore that, God. Fill us now. Holy Spirit, just blow in this place. Lord, it'd be awesome to see some rafters shake. Do it again. But Lord, at the core, just help us awaken just how much we need you, how dependent on you we are to walk in the, the ways of your spirit, God. Come now. Fill our hearts. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.